Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey everyone, welcome to starting a counseling practice. The podcast with Zinni Me. I am Kelly Higdon, and today I'm joined with Shannon Wiggins. She's an LCSWA in North Carolina, specializing in depression and anxiety with young adults and EMDR. Welcome, Shannon. <laughs> Thank you. Before we do recording, I always make sure I get everyone's license type correct because it's super important. And you have an A on your LCSW and every state is different. So why don't you talk about what that A means? Okay. So um, it stands for associate. And in the state of North Carolina, um, we are given a provisional license before we get our unrestricted license. And what that means is my practice is under supervision of and LCSW. And for every 30 hours of clinical work, I have to have one hour of supervision. And they do that just to protect the population and make sure we're operating within the standards of the board. So because you own your own business yourself, correct? Yes. You pay for that supervision as one of your business expenses. Yes. I think it's so amazing to be an associate in private practice. Now in California, you can't do that. Some other states, you can't do that, but many other states you can. Um, What has that journey been like in deciding this path, first of all, and what have you had to overcome to achieve where you are today? Um, It's definitely been an interesting journey. (laughs) Um, That's a kind word. (laughs) Because we are pretty much told from um, our internships in grad school on that in order to practice clinically um, with an A, you're going to have to go into some type of agency or government work. And it's not until you um, basically drop the A is what we refer to it as Mm -hmm. that you can even go into private practice. So the, there wasn't really no um, guidelines on how to do that within associates. And I'm kind of just writing my own (laughs) playbook as I go. Um, But it took some out of the box thinking. I didn't feel like um, I should be held back from starting a private practice if that's what I wanted to do. And so it took a lot of research to get the actual information Mm -hmm. versus what everyone kind of just says as the party line and things of that nature. Um, But every piece of the journey has been a process, but it's all been so well worth it Mm -hmm. um, that I just decided to to really keep going and keep growing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think too, even though it can be, it can be slower in getting your hours, such as when you work at one of the ways I got my hours was through a psych hospital and you work like the full 40 is a lot of clinical work, but it can be such a more rich experience for you to tailor where you want to build your expertise. And one of those is in EMDR. How did that come about? Um, Well, when I actually decided to 
full on going to private practice as my own um, business. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to find a location for office space that was really unique in that um, the building was owned by therapists and we kind of were a coalition, but each therapist had their own practice. Yeah. So as part of that, I um, was able to engage in consultations with Mm. all of these like really experienced therapists. And one of the things that everyone in the building was talking about was EMDR. And I was listening to their success rates and um, just the the science behind it. And I was fascinated. I was like, I've got to learn how to do that. (laughs) Um, And so I um, linked up with um, kind of the premier EMDR um, instructor in the area that I learned through them. And I took the course and it's just been like, no, no regrets at all. It's been awesome. I've heard actually some schools are starting to integrate things like EMDR. There's a new university uh, agreement for brain spotting, like a brain spotting track. So hopefully that will be more common because I feel like as an associate already having that skill set out of the gate is quite incredible and advantageous in your practice, I imagine. And one of the things you had shared uh, with us recently was the pivot with the pandemic and what you've been able to do to have accessibility for your clients, because making mental health is accessible is important to you. So could you share more about that? Um, Yes. So I actually kind of went out on a limb and gave up my office space completely and transitioned um, to telehealth. And that really came as a reaction to the pandemic for me. But I realized I was able to provide services to people all over the state of North Carolina, not just those that could get to my office. And so it really opened things up to be able to provide that for more people. And then also without the overhead cost of rent, I was able to be a little bit more flexible um, with my fees. And I felt more comfortable um, with how I presented my fees to people in a way that worked for me and a way that they could actually afford. So it actually turned out to be a great silver lining um, transitioning Mm. there. It's awesome. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. So what does your practice look like today? What are you, how many clients are you seeing? What's your schedule like? And what do you love about it? Um, So I am seeing between 12 and 15 clients um, a week right now. And 
I love that because it gives me enough time to still practice self-care and unwind and um, do all the things that I have to do for the business um, end of it. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like at that number, I am a really good therapist. Um, when I'm seeing more clients, it is very difficult to kind of maintain that level of care that I'm going for. And so um, keeping around that number on my caseload just makes me a better clinician. Um, so it's really living the dream at this point, because I'm seeing my ideal client, and we're doing the kind of work that I love. In a way that works for you and your body and your mind. Exactly. How did you get to that point of realizing what that number is for you? Um, I think it was a lot of trial and error. Um, kind of like when I was trying to determine what my niche or specialty would be, it was a lot of trial and error and just trying out different things where I would maybe stack more people on this day and see how I felt at the end of the day. And, um, this week I would take on a few more than I had last week and see how I felt. And so really just getting to know myself as a clinician and getting to know the type of work that I wanted to do was the process for figuring out what was going to work best for me. Yeah. I think that that's really a key. I want to highlight what you're saying. You have a lot of wisdom in there about like creating what your ideal practice. Mm -hmm. That's not creating other people's versions or putting anyone's ideology in, in you are completely the creator here and doing what is right for you and your client. Right. Right. And um, I think that that's the key is keeping the focus on not so much what people tell you it should look like, mm -hmm. but focusing in on what actually feels authentic to you. How do you authentically show up in your business? What are ways that that happens? So we've got your caseload, the schedule, those things. What are other ways that you're being authentic and honoring who you are? Um, I'm being very upfront about what clients can expect of me mm -hmm. and what I expect of clients. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I actually just recently was in a case consultation where we were discussing, um, how do you kind of ease clients into the idea of having to dig deep and, um, discuss trauma and things of that nature and my perspective was totally different in that I don't really feel the need to do that because in my phone consultation, I tell them exactly what they can expect. Mm -hmm. And I give them the rundown and I explain, you know, sometimes it's going to be hard. Um, we're going to be reliving some really yucky stuff. And if that's not what you're seeking in therapy, then I'm probably not the best fit for you. So I feel like I'm able to be authentic by just being as upfront as possible. I love that. I do. I think, where'd you learn that consult <laughs> process? <laughs> I learned that in boot camp. <laughs> yeah, I think informed consent starts in our marketing. It starts in the way we show up in the world. So what are you most excited for, for your business moving forward? Um, I'm really excited about um, continuing to 
build out my caseload and, you know, rotating out clients that have graduated with more clients that meet my ideal client and also branching out into um, providing courses for clients. Um, I've been getting very specific um, feedback and questions asking for courses about self-esteem and anxiety and marriage and things of that nature. And so I'm excited to kind of branch out into that arena and um, maybe help some of the population that I wouldn't necessarily want to see on a regular basis, but I still feel like I can contribute um, mm. some information to. Mm. So what do you have to say to anyone who is thinking of starting their practice, maybe has come from like you, a system that likes to perpetuate myths about what that means. It can't be done. You need more time. All these kinds of things that people are bumping up against. What do you have to say to that person who's considering doing it anyway? I think the number one thing that we have to get a handle on is mindset. So if you approach it from the mindset that it is possible, then I feel like 100% you'll be successful. I think that for a lot of us that come up through that system, um, our mindset is that it's not even possible. So I'm not even going to look into it. I'm not going to try to figure it out. Um, so my, you know, go to line is kind of okay, but I'm gonna see for myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. And so I'm going to just kind of go at it and research it. And if it turns out I can't do something, then that's fine. But I'm going to approach it in a way that my mindset is, if I can do it, if it can be done, then I'm going to do it. I love that. So if people want to check you out online, what's your website? Um, it's genesisbalance.com. And... I hope you all are inspired by Shannon's story today. I just absolutely love your groundedness and the wisdom you carry. I mean, it's a gift to therapist community, really to see other people who have not accepted the story of you can't, or it's going to be hard or impossible, but not only have you like, superseded that you've also gotten really specialized in the work you do already. And it's really beautiful to see Shannon. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next time with another amazing story of a therapist in private practice. I hope you're inspired today. Please share this with the community. We need to see and other therapists who are doing well and be encouraged by that because that can be you too. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice head over to zinimi.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.